to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. Thank you for joining us on episode number 90, where we talk about In My Life by the Beatles. I don't really know what to say about this song. Um, it's kind of appropriate. This is If you're listening in real time, today is February 13th. So we are going on the eve of Valentine's Day. We're going to talk about... Um, Definitely one of the top three love songs the Beatles ever recorded, if not number one. And of course, I can make an argument for a couple of them, but this is pop perfection in every single respect. This song is perfect. There's nothing you could add or remove from this to make it better. Uh, There are every cover of it is good. You know, this is. Um, this is the pizza of pop songs. Even the worst cover of this song is still in my life. You know, it's like what they say, like the, even the worst pizza is still pizza. You know, it, this is perfect pop music. It was released December 3rd, 1965 on Rubber Soul. Um, recording began on October 18th, 1965 during a three hour session that also included overdubs to George's If I Needed Someone. They started that the um, session prior and had finished it up uh, on this October 18th session and then began working on In My Life. It was a three-hour session. Now, we've talked about, uh, you know, Obladi Oblada taking like 40 hours of recording studio time. In a three-hour session, uh, the band recorded three takes, and um, left the gap in the inter- instrumental break uh, open because they didn't know how they were going to fill it yet. Then a few days later, that Friday, October 22nd, 1965, George Martin goes in and um, he fills that gap. And they tried a couple different things. Uh, they tried it on the Hammond organ. Um, and then he wanted to do this Baroque Bach-inspired um, uh, keyboard break. Right, so it's got this counterpoint and everything. It's it's set up like a Baroque fugue, but he was having trouble performing it. It's not an easy solo to do. In general, I couldn't imagine writing it. Um, so they they slowed the speed of the tape down in half so he could perform it uh, at half speed. And when when you cut the speed of tape in half, it lowers the whole thing an octave, so you can play it in the same key but you're playing it half as fast. So he records it at half speed. And then when you play it back at regular speed, you get this weird sounding keyboard instrument that, you know, it's often um, you hear people reference it as a harpsichord. It's not a harpsichord. I don't even really think it sounds like a harpsichord, but it doesn't sound like a piano either because the timbre of the instrument is shifted so greatly when you double the speed of its playback, which is what they did. But it's this gorgeous, beautiful uh, piano line that is just perfectly suited for this song. So that's uh, October 22nd. And then that's it. George Martin did his thing in about an hour. That's it. Four hours of studio time divided between two songs, three takes, only two of which were complete. One of the takes of In My Life from that first session wasn't a complete take and pop perfection is born. And what's amazing about this song 
is for a song that they didn't spend a ton of time. I mean, they did some rehearsals prior to the um, recording, excuse me, which obviously helps uh, expedite the recording process. But in such a short time, two of the band members had contributed iconic parts to this song. And that is George's guitar and Ringo's drums. There's a great video on YouTube. I forget who it was and I didn't look it up beforehand, but it's basically he's giving a lecture to um, some kids about what it's what it means to be a great rock drummer. And he uses this song as an example because Ringo could have gotten busy with this. You know, he could have uh, played it straight four on the floor. You know, he could have had a lot of hi-hats or ride cymbals. You know, he could have done a lot more with this but he keeps it restrained. He leaves room for the vocals to breathe. He leaves room for Paul's bass line, which is actually kind of driving through a lot of this song. Uh, He leaves it. He leaves his air in the recording. And in the meantime, delivers a memorable drum pattern that when people cover this song, if they don't cover his drum part, it doesn't quite sound right. And there's not a lot of drummers that can do that. And he does it consistently. There's a lot of uh, songs where he's got a fill or a drum groove that is as part of the music as the words and the melody. And this one may be his first uh, with the Beatles that there really is locked in with with the recording and is as important as whatever else is happening musically. And he takes it through different moods. You know, the verse is a different uh, mood than the chorus. And in the chorus, there's a couple different moods, you know, where he's building. And then where one point he's just hitting ride on one, two, three, four, and then a fill and then straight rock beat. And it also is worth noting He's kind of playing rock drums on this. He's not lightly hitting those drums. Um, You know, they're not high in the mix, but he's hitting the snare drum. He's hitting the bass drum. And it's not just one and three. He's like, boom, chop, boom, chop, gong, 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 chop, boom, doom, dong, right? There's a, if he was playing that louder uh, underneath a, a, a loud electric song, it would have fit just fine too. So it's a great drum line by Ringo. Then you've got George. Master guitar player, George Harrison. It's as simple as this. That's all you need. It's a beautiful intro. It has nothing to do with the rest of the song. You know, it's he's not quoting a part of the melody or anything. It's completely independent. And yet much like he does on something, much like he does on um, And I Love Her, it's uh, might as well be John singing it. It is a critical component to this thing. And there there are two guitars playing on this track. And the official sheet music lists the lead guitar as pretty much only doing that lick. which he harmonizes um, on the outro beautifully. 
And then there's a rhythm guitar part that you hear, and he's kind of playing low. He's playing very low on the strings. Um, but if you listen closely during the song, you hear all these rakes. Right, these little rake things. I think that's still George because I can faintly hear a second guitar that more that matches the tone that we hear during that intro. Um, underneath the intro. So what I'm saying is, I think uh, John is just playing very basic rhythm guitar, and George is the one doing the rakes throughout the thing too. Either way, whoever's playing it, it's a cool. Um, guitar line underneath it but i do think to my ears i hear two different guitar parts being played there so it's beautiful and then you throw in you know paul's got it it's a good bass line it's nothing you know this is not um, up there with something as far as his bass lines go but um his back backing vocals on it stunning and and the recording quality of those backing vocals um is fantastic it's just a perfect song. What else can you say? Nothing, really. If you disagree with me, I really want to hear why this is not a perfect song. John called it, I think he's his first important work or his first masterpiece or something like that. Um, I don't know that that's true because the guy wrote a lot of good songs before in my life. But it was uh, a personal one for him, a more conscious effort to have a personal lyric. And to think this is buried on Rubber Soul, not a single, buried on Rubber Soul on the B side. Uh, what track is it? Let's, it is um, middle of side two, track four of side two, four of seven how good is rubber soul and the, and the singles of this period when you can have in my life in your back pocket and it's track four of side two. That's pretty crazy. So that's in my life. Go listen to it. Enjoy it. Wrap yourself in the, in the, just the perfection of it and really listen to how all those parts musically are perfectly blended and exactly what the song needs and yet it never it never shifts into schmaltzy it never really even shifts into just being a a a pop record there's still like a rock edge to it you know you've got john playing the low notes of the of the strings almost like power chords you've got ringo playing a very simple and delicate drum line, but he's not hitting the drums delicately. You've got Paul doing just this thumping, dung, 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 eighth, eighth note bass line for a lot of this stuff. Um, so like, there's still that rock edge to it, even though it is a soft, gentle ballad. It's in my life. It's one of the best songs of the rock era. It's a standard. It's wonderful. Um, go enjoy it. If you'd like to talk more about this, swingbyherohabit.com. And in our community section, there's a group for Kinks and Beats Daily. I'd love to have you guys visit 
and um, get some conversations going without all the drama that we get on the Facebook groups and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. We're just talking about things we like. Also, you can call me anytime, 925-494-1739 to talk about this song or any song in the Kings or Beatles catalog. And um, of course, you can swing by herohabit.com to check out what other episodes we've done. Go to the podcast page and click on Kinks and Beats Daily. And you can see all sorts of other information about this podcast. All right. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day and happy Valentine's Day. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.